Um, so today we're going to talk about seeking the higher ground. And um, this has been in the works as God loves to do for quite some time. <clears throat> and uh, I'd seen some of the art that Jenny Birch has, has done. She's a fantastic sketch artist. I don't know if you've seen, she does a lot of animal scenes. Um, wolves seem to be one of her, one of her things that she does really well. So um, I've been encouraging her for the past couple of years to keep at it. Uh, gave her the names of a couple of art, art schools that I know of. Um, you know, hopefully that she would take a summer internship and, and run down there. But uh, I asked her, I said, can you do me a mountain? She says, well, what do you want it to look like? <clears throat> I said, that's between you and God. I said, Let God inspire you. What is God going to lay on your heart? And so this is the original that she did, and we'll, we'll get it framed up someday and uh, hopefully find a nice place here in the, in the church. <clears throat> um, but with the higher ground that she's found here with this mountain, I think it's just perfect. We've got some dark valleys. We've got some other uh, hills and mountains, you know, before you get to that higher mountain. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today, is, is seeking that higher mountain. So I'm just going to... I'm going to set that over here. You guys are welcome to come up and take a closer look at it. But uh, <clears throat> I want to start this with this song. No, I'm not going to sing. Don't leave. I'm not singing. I want to build a house up on mountain way up high where the peaceful waters flow to quench my thirsty soul up on the mountain I can see for miles up on this mountain the troubles seem so small they almost Disappear, Lord, I love you up on the for 
Steve Kerner's Chapman. Um, maybe you guys have heard, heard that song before. Is this, oh, there we go. That's better. Um, that mountain. What mountain he's talking about. When you think of the words, seek the higher ground, what comes to mind to me is warfare. I'm an army guy. Sorry. Uh, you Air Force guys. Yeah, well... <laughs> Ron's not here to give me grief, so we can talk army all day long. <clears throat> but we know that the one who maintains the higher ground, they have the advantage over their opponent, don't they? If you think back to the old days, sitting in history class, something they don't seem to teach anymore, um, you might recall that having the higher ground was paramount at, at a place like uh, uh, Gettysburg. The Union held the higher ground, didn't they? Yes, they did. Cemetery Ridge, little, big top, round, little and big round top, you know? That changed the course of the battle and the course of the war. I mean, that was a fundamental that's been known for a long, long time. And, uh, you know, they held that higher ground even though there were waves and waves of Confederate soldiers coming up at them, but they didn't give up. And we could talk all day about Chamberlain and extending to, you know, say couldn't outplank him and all the wonderful things that happened. Um, but uh, they held the higher ground. Now I was at West Point, and there you have the Hudson Highlands. It's just a series of hills, hills, hills. Everywhere is a hill. There's no flat place around there, none. Till you get down to the river, and then there's a little bit of flat. But on top of those, they have uh, these fortifications called redoubts. These redoubts were built by the Continental Army, and what they did, they were used for signaling, and they were also used as fortifications. They had the higher ground. The King's Highway ran through that down in the bottom. So they could stay up on top, they could see the British coming, signal, 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 and they could react to it. Uh, it was just amazing. And when you get up there and you walk on those readouts, you go, these guys were genius. They held the higher ground. You know how hard, how hard it is to walk up a hill, right? 
you imagine fighting up one? I mean, you can look at the hills over here. Try going up the hill. Maybe you've been out deer hunting. And <laughs> I gotta go up to the ridge because I know what I'm hunting is on the other side. That's hard, isn't it? Well, perhaps you've done that in the real sense, and maybe you've done that in life circumstances, climb the mountains. Clearly, when you have the higher ground, your perspective can change your circumstances. In addition to being able to see the enemy coming and possibly what his tactics were when he attacked, you can also just sit and contemplate about how far you've come and how much farther you need to go. You can do this while you're peering down those valleys into what you've just come through. I've had this great fortune many times out backpacking. I'm an I'm a avid backpacker. And sitting on top of that mountain, it just restores your soul. It's, it's probably one of the most peaceful things I've ever experienced. But first you have to realize that to reach the top of that mountain, you're going to go through a lot of valleys, aren't you? I bet if you thought about it, you could re recount many times when you were in a dark valley, wondering, am I ever going to get out of this thing? Perhaps you've even lost sight of that mountain as, as you're trying to find it. <clears throat> However, our God is so loving, he gives us opportunities to summit many mountains in our lives as we strive to reach the end journey, that final mountain, where we'll find New Jerusalem, also known as the Holy City, Mount Zion, the City of the Living God, and the Heavenly Jerusalem. While we're on these mountaintops, we can take time to rest. We can even find peace. But we don't get to stay there, do we? We have to move on. We have to go back down that mountain into another valley that's going to yet lead us to another summit. That's what life is, isn't it? It's a series. But we learn so much from these experiences. We need these experiences. Each one has a particular lesson as we continue on when we go from valley to valley, mountain to mountain. These are the times when we grow. This past summer, um, I had the opportunity to through-hike the Mickelson Trail, all 109 miles of it. It was fantastic. I just loved every minute of it, almost. Um, but uh, <clears throat> there was nothing but me, my backpack, and God. It's just this incredible spiritual journey that he took me on. It was, it was so moving. Yeah, I could call it another mountaintop experience. And while I was walking, the Lord laid it on my heart to think about the 23rd Psalm. Now, like so many verses, this can become really cliche, can't it? We've been reciting this since Sunday school. We've got it. We know it by heart. But when it becomes so cliche, uh, I know the words. I kind of lose that pers personal and deep meaning. Something, you know, we just kind of mutter and we got it. Yeah, driving on, driving on. <clears throat> Each day, I meditated on a different verse. Verse 4 is really fitting for us to take a quick look at. It says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And when you're out there alone and your wife keeps going, uh, by the way, I did this. I like to backpack solo. My wife hates me backpacking solo. She's convinced I'm going to get eaten by a mountain lion. I said, huh? God's time is God's time. Mountain lion, 
bus. I don't know. You know, it's good. It's going to happen. Um, I prefer not to be pulled apart by coyotes, but you know, whoa, what, whatever it is. <clears throat> and, uh, and, and so as you're out there, sometimes your mind can play games with you. And these verses were just, were just critical. But our lives have been a series of valleys as the years pass by. Some are fairly peaceful, aren't they? They've got rolling hills, fresh water, and some are really deep and dark. That's where fear can take over if we let it. We have to ask the question, well, how did I get here in the first place? How did I get into this dark valley? Did I make a decision to take a path that led me from his path of righteousness? Sometimes it seems like there's no way out. We have no idea where we're going. But if we go back and look at verses 1 through 3, we see that we're not walking this journey alone, are we? We have a faithful shepherd that's leading us. And I underscored this in my notes. If only we would follow him. It solves so many, many problems. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Did you notice that when he's in control, that's when we can find peace. What a difference when we take the focus off from ourselves and we put it on Christ. So, are you walking with Christ as your shepherd, who's got a staff and a rod that gives us comfort as he protects us and guides us to those quiet places? Or are you charting your own